This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 232. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. We are kicking off a brand new week of content starting right here with episode 232. A continuation of a five part series looking at the Indicator Bloody Terror box set. The movies of Norman J. Warren. This is the halfway mark movie number three. We will be reviewing on this episode Terror from 1978. I'll be joined by my guest who is joining me for the entire series on the Indicator Box set, my good buddy Derek Bourgeois. He will be coming up after the first break. Before we get to that, as always, let's catch up. Brand new week of podcasting content. You will be happy to know we are reining it back just a little. Um, This is one of four planned episodes coming out this week. On Thursday, you're getting a bonus episode, which is going to go into detail because some people have been asking uh, when a recording and a list would be available, those out with the Facebook sphere, um, of what movies, 100 movies, that is, will be covered as part of the Summer Teapot's Top 10 series. So we'll be going through all those movies, who will be on those shows, so the hosts, the adjudicators, the full lot, and in the show notes, there will be a link to a Google document which has all 100 movies broken out um, into groups of 10 by year for you guys to go across, pick off what you need to pick off and get yourself ready. So that's Thursday's bonus episode. On Saturday, it'll be another listener choice. And then on Sunday, it's the 88 Farms Slasher Collection. I was going to say, it's Slasher Classics, isn't it? Yeah, Slasher Classics. I keep wanting to drop the classics out because, let's be honest, that word has been flung around quite a lot by that series and seldom does it deliver. But there we go, the Slasher Classic Collection will continue this coming Sunday. Right, nice short intro. Let's just get into this. Um, I'm going to take a break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. The trailer for Terror from 1978, when I return to myself and my guest will be reviewing that movie right after this. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. 
Have you ever had that nightmare where you're running for your life? But you know that escape is impossible. That's terror. all around you, but however much you scream, no one can hear you. That's terror. <laughs> Have you ever felt that you're being driven completely out of your mind? That's terror. <laughs> knows no bounds in stretching your endurance to the limit. You'll feel it all around you. It will trap you, terrify you. Terror is real. But you must keep reminding yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. Only a movie. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So yes, return you have to this little cave of nonsense which is the indicator bloody terror box set it contains five movies from the director norman j warren spanning a fairly short period of time where he seems to be incredibly active um, now some people would say that if you do a lot of movies back to back you may be forgoing quality for quantity and we'll find out if that is the case, as we swing into the third movie on this list, joining me on this journey, the man who proposed this idea, um, and will be joining me every single episode. He's already done two. This clock's in at the halfway mark for us. Is my very good friend Derek. How are you doing, sir? Pretty well, and I'm very excited to talk about this movie today, Duncan. It's been one that I wanted to talk about since we started this <laughs> journey. Yeah, um, yeah. Like so, I like for people that are keeping count. Uh, on the last episode, I was like, "Yeah, I'm fairly sure I've seen Terror," and I am almost a hundred percent sure that I have this muddled up with um, a Pete Walker movie. I must must have because um, this is not the movie I thought it was going to be. And I'll tell you how I found out that. Uh, was when you said on the last recording, yeah, this is kind of a Suspiria ripoff. And I was like, that, that doesn't sound like the movie I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right enough, like, once again, about five minutes into this movie, I was like, yes, I have never seen this one before. Uh, <laughs> and you were right. It is a, it's a very British take on Suspiria, um, which I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. We'll, we'll get into it anyway. Um, let's give some details about the movie before we swing into it. Terror came out in 1978, so those keeping count, um, we had Satan Slave was 1976, Prey was 1977, Terror is 1978. This guy is churning their movies out. This one is, of course, directed by Norman J. Warren. Uh, it's based on a screenplay by David McGilvery. Now, he did actually do a lot of stuff with Pete Walker, which is maybe where I'm getting confused. Um, based on a story by Les Young, the movie itself stars John Nolan, Caroline Courage, James Aubrey, Sarah Keller, Trisha Walsh, Glynis Barber, Michael Kreese, Rosie Collins, Chuck Gillian, 
Elaine Ives Cameron, Patty Love, Mary Maud, William Russell, Peter Craze and Peter Atterd. I may have just done for the first time in podcasts under the stairs history an entire cast list in there without fucking up. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to sit now and bask in the glory of my accomplishments that I did actually record down. And whenever anyone says anything, I can direct them to episode 232. So there we that, go. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, the synopsis for this one, this is where I fuck it up, Derek, watch. Uh, the descendants of a witch-hunting family and their close friends are stalked and killed by a mysterious entity. I got through that one as well. Um, right, so... Yes, there's a bit of Suspiria in here. To be honest, there's a bit of there's a bit of a few things in here. There's a bit of Suspiria in here. There's a bit of um, there's a bit of Black Sunday in here as well. Um, uh-huh. in, terms of, in terms of how the movie opens, so it's clear that uh, Mister Warren may have seen an Italian horror movie or two. I'm just saying he may have been partial, potentially. Not a bad thing. No, no, no. If you are emulating Argento and Bava, then I'm just saying you could pick worse directors, you know, to, to, to copy in 1978. So, yeah, um, yeah so the, the kind of setup for this movie is pretty much like it says, but not as kind of... It makes it sound a whole lot more witchy than the movie actually is. Um, it's essentially... It starts off with the witch planting a curse as so she's being essentially burned to death and then we jump forward a bit in time um, and instead of a dance academy like we have in Suspiria this one is on the set of a TV show like a soap opera um, and yeah all manner of shenanigans take place here it would appear that the, the set may be cursed and between all that we get some very Argento S lighting, but it's not as good as Argento. We have some kind of abstract sort of dialogue, which makes no sense because you can get away with it if you're Italian, maybe less so if you're doing a British film. Um, we managed to get some nudity in here where we just go to a strip club for no reason at all. <laughs> like, absolutely adds nothing to the plot except bush and tits. And, um, it, like, because I, I was about halfway through this has been relatively classy thus far, and then boom, titties. I was like, right. I, yeah, it's like they just go to the strip club, and all you see is like the stripper whipping her jacket up and down like mm-hmm. 15 times. I'm like, okay, yeah. this is a Norman J. Warren movie now. <laughs> You've got the, the weird kind of synthy score, so it's, it's ticking a lot of boxes. And I'll tell you right now, because we're going to go back through this anyway, but in terms of broad strokes, I have I have very quickly realised that Norman Warden does not like to leave viewers with a happy ending at all. This is three for three with a nihilistic ending. <laughs> I was like, you got to the ending, I was like, oh, no happy ending. Oh, fuck myself. Right, thank you. Um... So yeah, so let's let's kind of jump back here. Why why was this one the one that you were kind of like? Yep, I can't wait to talk about this. Because it's my favorite one of his movies, though the ones I've seen. It's just you know it is bad because it has so many characters that it feels like they just had ideas of kills and they just decided yeah. to build a story around it. 
you know, like, uh, let's make something like Suspiria and we'll just make the kills first and then write the script around the kills that we come up with. Mm-hmm. It's like those type of, it's kind of, the plot's kind of wild. I'll admit myself, it is kind of a wild plot, but at least it's fun. You know, this movie is super fun in that sense where you just get like these great kill pieces and it just, it just gets wild. I like the like the movie into the movie aspect of the beginning, which yeah. you don't really, which I didn't expect the first time I ever seen this movie because I was like, oh, it's a period piece. The first time I see it, and I'm like, oh, these douchey assholes made a movie about their family history. Mm-hmm. How uh, bitchy and douchey those people are, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know. And, that's, and you know, I like the aspect of the house too. Which is actually the same house from Satan's Slave. That I did of. wonder, because you had said that it was going to make an appearance in another movie here, and it wasn't long into the movie, I started to get this weird kind of aura of deja vu, and then did a bit of research online and found that it was the same house. Which, I mean, as a classic British trope, like, I, I think I, can't, I, I wouldn't even want to put a guess on how many... Uh, Hammer movies are essentially just the same set, <laughs> like it's yeah. the same the same country manor um, that they use in almost every fucking movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of dug that as well. Yeah, the, the thing that I also like about this one is like the the making of the movie and you know the TV series aspect of it, where you get to see like the studio work and it kind of has uh, Norman J. Warren poking fun of like his other side of his career, like his soft core. Mm-hmm. One career where like some of the like the tub shots of the you know the scantily uh, redheaded chick in this I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Uh, it's kind of funny. He's kind of poking fun of his other side of his career in that aspect of the movie, which I kind of like. I like that. And you know, there's even like that weird meta scene where we see a poster of Satan's slave and Thriller <laughs> inside the studio, and like, really, Norman J. Warren? Yeah, like he. But that's this is what you need. To- to know is that is how important Satan Slaves is, that it would be hung right beside the other, the other poster. He's like, that. these are the two seminal things. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, the A lot of what I enjoyed about this movie, um, and I'm, I'm going in on this one, enjoyed is the word I'm going to say, um, a lot of what I enjoyed about it specifically was the setting. I thought it, it just felt a bit fresher that idea of I mean even when we're considered 78 the idea of the movie within the movie aspect I think is quite clever I think it's is is done so infrequently in horror uh, mostly because the you know the, the a lot of people like to try and put their own spin on things but some of my favorite movies within our genre are the ones that whether it's you know uh, something on the lines of Demons which is the obvious one to go down or something like Popcorn even when I watched Anguish recently and I, I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie I still dug that concept and in here the fact that we're getting a kind of well this is a cursed movie set now um, because of the you know the, the sins of the family coming back to haunt them uh, and rightly so. I mean, yeah, I mean, a mockery of such a serious subject. Um, I, I I enjoyed that aspect. I mean, the cast. Like, there are so many characters in this one, which does have that kind of Suspiria vibe about it. Suspiria uh-huh. has far too many characters, and some of them 
are there with no dialogue and other ones inexplicably have dialogue and you're like, you are an extra. <laughs> Go and be an extra. Um, <laughs> bold extra here with six lines of dialogue. What's going on? Um, <laughs> the, the, you know, there, there are a lot in there and I'm with you. I think a lot of it is they have some really cool kill ideas and the kills in this movie are are surprisingly fun. Everything to do with the hypnosis as well, I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. I think it's because hypnosis for me can be very cheesy in movies and I'm not saying Uh it's not cheesy here it kind of is but it adds just another level in there and adds a legitimate reason for why someone might be like a conduit to something out with of their control you know there's surprisingly a bit of thought put into that it's not it's like it's kind of like an alternative take on on you know the person getting possessed in a seance you know when you open your mind to something out with your you know out with the fabric of your understanding then those things might come through um they, they love a sword in this movie as well i mean you know this is not set in medieval times but there's a, there's a sword or two stabbing someone or slicing someone. And, you know, after the first time that goes down, that sword goes away. We'll just get put back. No one puts it back up on the wall, you know what I mean? Right, we'll yeah. just put back up this dangerous implement. I thought it was a prop sword. No, it turns out it can really slice flesh. Let's put it back up there and hope that no one gets hypnotised again. Um, it, you know, it, it, it beggars belief, but once again, kind of makes me smile. And then... Like when you 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 give me little nods to like Peter Mayhew's in here, Chewbacca, Chewbacca, yeah. ladies and gents, is actually in this movie. Now I I imagine if you asked him in 1978 what what movie he thought he would be most remembered for, I still think he would have said Star Wars. Uh, even though he's dressed <laughs> in a, a massive bully suit and he's playing a, a a kind of menacing sort of car mechanic in this in this movie here, and it really is actually that scene is crazily creepy um, so yeah I, I, I mean I enjoyed that as well but I just enjoyed how seamless the whole movie felt you know what I mean this is a this is a breezy fucking movie yes there's a lot of characters yes there's bits that you have to check your ideas of sense at the door but this is another one where Warren's like that yep in and out hour and 25 minutes no more than that give you plenty of bang for your buck give you some pretty wicked kills, give you some of that bava or gentle lighting. Now, granted, once again, it is not used the way the Italians use it, which, I mean, very few people can use it that way, but I really enjoy it. I mean, it makes it very different from anything that was coming from the UK in 78. You know, it definitely makes it stand out. And then you come to that ending, and the ending lands with a kind of... Once again, that kind of Twilight zone sort of uh, tales, tales of the unexpected, kind of nihilistic English ending to a movie, and 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 I was I was in I, I, like it finished, and I thought to myself, right, well, I, like I said before, Saint Sleeves, I actually enjoyed. I thought it was a, a, a relatively good movie, and then by the time I finished Terror, I was like, right now, because the, the the thought was that things might start going downhill. You know what I mean? Prey wasn't very yeah. good. And then I was like, Terror might not be very good. And then that, that sinking feeling that maybe there was only good one good movie on the box. Out with Insemnioid, which is just absolute class, and I can't wait for it. Um, I did have this sinking feeling. Uh, and then Terror finished, and I was like, no, no, I would watch this one again. 
easily. I'd, you know, I'd happily sit down and watch this movie again. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. That that's good to hear, and I'm glad because you know some of the ask, like some of the people that I've been talking to. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but it didn't make any sense in the story, you know, because <laughs> like we say, because it has like that Giallo. Uh, you know, that's what a lot of people I hear when they watch Giallos for the first, or Gialli for the first time, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get the right pluralization on that word. Oh, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, you are right, though, that like when when people, not even Gialli, like Italian cinema of this era, even if it's the police procedural stuff, yeah. um, a lot of times people will say, well, you know, it's, it's beautiful to look at. You know, and the violence is kind of cool, but the plot doesn't really make sense. Um, and that's a sticking point for some people. And uh, yeah, there, it's a bit far, far-fetched far and, and whatnot, but no one's going to tell me that a nightmare in Elm Street's not far-fetched. Cause come on. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? And that's another thing with this movie. It's kind of ahead of its time because you could kind of consider this maybe like a proto-supernatural slasher. Yeah. There are, there are definitely elements in here that verge into the slasher territory. Um, even the, the way the, the, they're, they're set up. And I, I, I dug that aspect as well. Also, like the supernatural stuff is there, but it's not the be-all and end-all of the movie. Like When you watch Suspiria, and let's, let's put our cards down on the table, I think I can speak for both you and me when I say Suspiria is fucking incredible. Um, yeah. But like Suspiria leans in heavily leans into the supernatural stuff that's kind of its jam and it's kind of what makes it amazing because no one was doing anything like that at the time terror leans into it but doesn't overplay it there are aspects still of you know is this character actually hypnotized or are they doing something under the guise of and you know the movie i mean doesn't explicitly or even implicitly go that far as to to kind of to portray that but it's kind of left hanging in the air in the back and i like that i like that bit because it's not just like oh well witches y'all um you know what i mean it's it's kind of it's kind of playing with a, a, a an idea of does anyone you know you come from this family of, of witch hunters and you are yeah you're filmmakers and whatnot but do any of actually believe in this or is this a is this a kind of oh look what our crazy ancestors done? But we're so more enlightened now, and that hubris bites you in the ass. So that, I love that. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, this, do they believe? Because they like, you know, I'm like, I don't think they actually did believe at first. Mm-hmm. Because why the hell would you make a movie about? <laughs> You're tempting fate, aren't you? Really, at that point. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like, these are my ancestors. We killed this witch, and uh, you know, like. That's insane in that aspect of the movie, but I like it. I like how it begins like that. It's like you you don't see movies like that. No, today. it's a it's a bold opening as as well as a one of my favorite things of like the entire movie is our one of our main cast dies right at the start, okay? And um the newsman reporting from like essentially reporting from outside where the incident happens is reporting on the death, but making sure everyone knows who the new cast member is. The one cast that role like in less than twenty four hours, and two, the news would never make that statement. I kind of, you know, it's just like there's there's a lot in here where I, it, it kind of made me, it made me smile because it was cheesy and and, and a kind of nonsense sort of way, and I kind of want that from this sort of movie because you've got plenty of violence on screen. 
um, that the, the kind of goofiness at times or the kind of schlocky sort of dialogue to me aids the movie it gives it a certain charm where like we were talking about when we spoke about Prey where the minimal dialogue was mostly kind of angsty lesbian couple falling out sort of stuff and you know let, let's have a 10 minute montage of hide and seek you know <laughs> this one actually feels like we have a you know like you say we have ideas we're going to build a story around these ideas and let's have fun with it and that's what this one has very much like what Satan Slaves had as well where there's a, a really good grasp on the movie has to has to be first and foremost entertaining and terror to me is a very entertaining movie and that, that benefits because if it was played too straight if it was too dry and too serious I, I don't think I would have enjoyed it nearly as much as I did true that true that I could see that happening like even some of like the more subtle kills like when that director like that light falls on him like <laughs> start dying laughing but you don't mean it it's just the way that it falls on him I'll tell you like the effect is surprisingly well done yeah it's, it's like because like when it happened I burst out laughing obviously as you do uh, and then I stopped it and rewound it back and the editing is surprisingly well done at that I mean today we're all super vigilant and we know like all the tricks and we've got blu-rays now and we can see these movies on blu-rays so we can see between the between the cracks um but back in the day the way this is edited it would have been so jarring to the audience i imagine that gets an impact i imagine audiences go fuck you know they expect them to move out the way or they expect them to miss they don't expect him to be essentially folded up like an accordion, um, yeah. which which is which is kind of what happens. Um, and then I think about I think about like dummies used in other movies, uh, and then for some reason, like my train of thought just went to "Don't torture a duckling," um, yeah. and then I laughed more and more. So I mean, like in terms of that, they like because there's a, like "Don't tr- torture a duckling," right? That's what six years before this. Um, there's a movie that uses a dummy at the end but really wants you to prolong that scene of knowing it is exactly a dummy um, when well, it's scraping its face against the oh, with sparks coming off it because that's, yeah, that's what great. bones do uh, but like in terror when, when it lands on him and it's obviously a dummy but when it lands on him it's such a quick edit that your brain your educated brain picks up on it but you're kind of like full cinema, theatre, popcorn eating there with your girl, you know, kind of half paying attention, you know, that's a that's a jolt, that's a jar to the, the, the senses, um, but it's stuff like that, that to me is a, that is a fun, ridiculous kill for a movie which has been as violent as this, as, oh well look at this bit of rope untie, I hope this light doesn't fall on this director wink wink um, <laughs> I don't like, I, when it happens it's so, so ridiculously bold it's difficult not to to find it charming, which is what yeah. I end up doing. Like all the everything in this movie, I found charming. The ending is like I was talking about it being nihilistic. It's it's it, it's it is totally crazy, and it keeps ramped up, ramping up. And you 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 think to yourself, right, she's going to do some sort of incantation, or she's going to do what they do at the end of Suspiria and find a way to kill the. And no, 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 she just fucking impales her with a sword. Good night. Flies right into her. Goodbye. Yeah, and then I was like, but like the brain was like, what? Well, so, 
oh no, she's dead. All right, and then it just jumps straight straight into you just the. Watch terror. Yeah, <laughs> just like just, I, I love that. I really, really did, and it is a it is a hot. No, we're well, finding that it's definitely a hallmark of Warren's movies, but it's definitely a hallmark of British cinema in general. And the seventies are just a a weird time for like. Cause I'm going through currently. I'm doing stuff on Chronicle at the moment where I'm looking at folk horror, and I've just covered The Wicker Man, which is a movie I know inside and out, and um, that ending still fucks with me every time I see it. Same, same. And then you watch like a movie like Terry, you're like, there's just something about the 70s, it's that kind of knee-jerk backlash against the, the kind of peace and love and hippie movement of the 60s, where like cinema becomes like dark at the end, like not all stories have happy endings, and this one plays into that. And it almost catches you by surprise because you're watching it. And like we've talked about, there's goofy kills in this and weird dialogue. And at times it's, it's very fun and entertaining that you just don't expect that kind of thump dark ending. And then yeah. it lands. And then you're like, oh, right, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's metal. And uh, not, one thing I wanted to bring before we like go into the like, final thoughts of the movie... I got to give big ups to the composer of this movie because it's the same composer as Prey, and this yeah. score is way better than Prey's score. Million yeah. times, so good he, though. Yeah, he gets a lot more to do with this score, which I do like it because I did like some of the synth stuff in Prey, mm-hmm. but I wish it was played throughout to make because it was more of a like we said during that review, it was more of a choir movie in all levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but this one, I like how it's a little bit more busy and you know a lot more to it than the last score. So I'll give big ups because I thought like uh, on first watcher this one, I'm like, Oh, this is the same guy who did the prey score. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> you know? As well. On top of that, the, like I, I thought, and I said it before the cinematography in the previous movie was a bit flat compared to Satan's sleeves, which I felt had quite a vibrant cinematography. And because of all the colours and, like, there's a lot more camera positions, there's a lot more going on, it's a lot busier, and it's, it is infinitely better shot than than Prey. Just the cinematography is just really, really interesting to look at. So across the board, this is a colossal step up from, from Prey in my in my estimations. I think like you were kind of leaning into the, the final thoughts on that. What, what I would say about Terror is that, yes, it very much, it, there's no way anyone could argue that this is not heavily influenced by Suspiria, right? There's no way you couldn't do it. What I would say, though, is that I think it puts his own spin on it. I think its own spin understands that it can be a bit more fun a bit more quirky. It can lean into different aspects of of the kind of is this supernatural? Isn't it? it? Has those slasher elements that we were talking about? Cinematography is is surprisingly good. Uh, lighting is at times surprisingly good. Um, acting is not great, but to be honest, I enjoyed what I saw of it, and yeah. it was entertaining above and beyond what a movie like this should be and as a result by the time I got to the end of it like I say this is one where I was like that I could happily sit down and watch Terror again for sure somewhere down the line I might double bill this with Suspiria um, just for shits and giggles and just to see 
just to see where it goes. But overall, I found that a surprisingly good movie. Now, when I say good, I'm once again using this in terms of this ain't no like Suspiria. But yeah. what it is is a kind of an interesting British take on it. And once again, the budget wasn't huge here. So they're pulling together a lot of stuff on a, a, a kind of much smaller uh, budget and a much more insular sort of style of filmmaking. But it, it, it did its job and I, I thought it did it well. And once again, the indicator print is immaculate. It looks it looked surprisingly fresh. Um, had you told me there was a year between this and the preprint, I would have been like, no, 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 decade at least. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I will say this, if going through the box set to record these shows meant that the only movie that I actually did enjoy was Terror, then it was worth breaking the seal and watching it to do these shows. So there you go. Final thoughts? Yeah, like I said, it's actually my favorite of his movies. I watch this one all the time. This is actually one I want to actually show uh, my co-host on Celluloid Dissections, Carly, one time. Mm. Uh, uh, I'm trying to get her more into a lot, because, you know, she's a lot younger than us. So I'm trying to get her more into, like, that 70s movie aspect, because, you know, she did that 72 show, and she had to watch 75 Giallis in one sitting, and... I could drive somebody crazy after <laughs> the first time watching all those. So I'm trying to ease her into a little bit more and to try to enjoy them a little bit more in that aspect of maybe doing like those two movie double features and trying to figure out one to do with this one. But this is definitely one I might have to show her sometime. Yeah, I think you should. I, I, like I say, it, it landed surprisingly well for me. Um, and some of the special features specifically on this one are kind of brilliant. Uh, you'd like because I, I rattled through as much as I could um, the bloody good fun kind of documentary about the, the making of is worth your time uh, certainly the the tales of terror which uh, has John Nolan talking about the overall production I found really interesting as well so yeah I, I, I really enjoyed that I think it was a, a ton of fun an interesting little movie for sure well worth the, the kind of price of admission uh, if you're splitting down all the individual movies for the box set into, you know, like one-fifth of what the overall cost was is definitely, definitely well worth its money. Um, in terms of a grade for this one, a four for me, four out of five, really liked it. It will be one that I'll watch again, so it's currently sitting the highest out of all the grades I've given thus far. What about yourself, Derek? What we're giving a little bit of terror? Uh, you- you know, if I was rating this on a technical level, it would be maybe a little bit lower, but I'm going to rate this on my enjoyment factor mm. for that aspect. And it's a 4.5 out nice. of 5 for myself. You know, I yeah, I love this one for all, some for the right reasons, some for the wrong reasons. Too. <laughs> Um, so we have we have uh, obviously two movies left to go. Um, the next one I have seen before uh, it was on the old uh, the old video nasties third tier list, um, and it's certifiably fucking bonkers. Um, the next movie we'll be covering uh, in the fourth and penultimate episode is Insemnioid from nineteen eighty one. Yeah, you watched it recently for the first time. You said. 
yeah, a few. I always wanted to see it because I knew the stories because I knew it was like Norman J. Warren on doing a space movie produced by Run Run Shah. I'm like, what? The Shah brothers and Norman <laughs> J. Warren did a movie together. I had to see this, and uh, from what I remember, uh, if you go uh, for the viewers who are following along with us, just don't go thinking it's going to be like a wicked alien ripoff going into it. Yeah. Very much so. As uh, is, is so unashamedly an alien ripoff, um, but as a Norman G. Warren alien ripoff. So strap yourself in. The, the plot is thinner than a, a thin t-shirt. That's all I could think of. That was thin. Um, thinner than a thin t-shirt. They can shoot peas through. Um, but the entertainment is oh, the entertainment is like sevenfold. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that for sure, and that will be coming um, in the immediate future. Next couple of weeks, we'll be dropping in semi-oid. Um Derek, as always, at the end, I give you an opportunity to pimp your wares like a giant pimp daddy. Uh, let the listeners out there know where they can check out the stuff you're doing before you come back uh, and tackle some insemnioid. Sure, uh, I'll do the... Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> I had to think of shows off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, the latest one's out for Cinema Attack. Finally out, episode 40. We just did our top 10 80s sci-fi films. That was a fun time. It was kind of funny because I kind of... Said during the beginning, I was going to leave a certain movie off. I won't say what movie it is, mm-hmm. for the listeners. And uh, the two ho- co hosts actually had it on their list. I'm like, fuck. You know, uh, but that was a fun time. You know, I just wanted to talk about other movies and not have like the same generic list. That's why I left certain movies off that were probably on a list that we did before, that type of deal. That's why I did it. I like to talk about different movies. Try to make it a little bit more flavorful, my list. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's out right now. And uh, uh, Celluloid Dissections, of course, we just did an episode on Grave of the Fireflies, which is a shorter episode, but we actually get in deep with the topic of that film, if you have seen it. And uh, yeah, the, I just told everyone flat out, I bursted out in tears near the end of that movie mm-hmm. during that episode, so check that out. Uh, they're here. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my co-host is kind of under the weather right now. Uh, nothing serious, not not that serious shit that's going on, but it's just a, like a minor uh, cold or sharp throat type of deal. Mm-hmm. So we'll be recording probably next week as long as everything's back to normal and better with her. Uh, but uh, we'll get that episode coming out soon. And then uh, No More Room in Hell, we're doing a anthology show that's... Uh, coming up. I'm not sure when that's going to be recording. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, uh, House That Drip Blood and From When a Whisper to a Scream. Oh, nice. Uh, yes, and then finally Underwater Kaiju. We actually pushed back to do a family emergency. Everything's alright with that. It all went well. It was kind of like a scuffle kind of thing. I don't want to give out too many details of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh yeah, we'll be recording soon our next episode, which will be the North Korean kaiju film Paul Gosari, which, if you haven't heard of that movie, the story behind it is kind of more interesting than the actual movie. <laughs> if you know the backstory of what was going on with that situation. Yeah, it's crazy, but 
that should be out soon. I can't wait to actually talk about the aspects of that. And, you know, I actually kind of like the movie, too. It's not a bad movie. It's just kind of fucked up in that sense. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Excellenty, excellenty. Plenty of things for people to go and check out. Right, ladies and gents, I am taking my final break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show, and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 232, disc number three in the indicator bloody terror box set. That is Terror from 1970. It has now been reviewed, which means the next stop in this series will be the absolutely fucking bonkers Insemnioid from 1981 and that review will drop sometime in the next couple of weeks thanks again to my guest Derek for joining me and reviewing on this episode there are a multitude of ways to check out this show wherever you're listening to us right now hit subscribe and that way you don't miss any of the content we put out and while you are subscribing to feeds why not subscribe to the Teapots Collective we just yesterday put out a brand new episode of Chronicle covering Requiem for a Dream as part of our look at British folk horror cinema. So if you subscribe to that feed, you never miss any of the content on that one either, and it's free, so there is no justification or reason not to do it. You can visit our website, it's teapotscast.com. You can buy merch to support this show by going to teapotscast.bigcartel.com. Visit and join us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast. Alternatively, you can check out the Teapots Collective page facebook.com forward slash teapotscast. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at teapotscast. And check us out on the Flick Chat app. Flick Chat is free and available for Android and iOS users or join code as teapotscast. The podcast under the stairs will return to you this Thursday as we detail out in great, great detail all that is coming on the summer Teapot's top 10 series looking at the decade known as the noughties. Oh yes, very, very, very naughty indeed. Well, they're not really. It's actually gory. It's actually gory, grim and full of torture porn, but we'll get to that. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and what have you up to in this big bad world of ours? Please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off.